You are listening to the Feast Podcast from the Light of Jesus family. We share heartfelt and inspirational messages for you to reflect on and pray about. May this message help you to face challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself to God's unlimited blessings. What we are trying to achieve or what we started out with, whether you're here last Sunday, is that we're actually creating a foundation. Everybody say foundation. Because some of you might be wondering, why are we going to study the Bible all of a sudden? You know, it's so boring. We have to study the history and the text and significance. But I'm telling you, it's like, for example, you're looking at PICC from the outside and even on the inside. It's a majestic place. It's a beautiful place. But the one thing you don't see is the foundation that it stands upon. See, the one that, that makes this building stand is the foundation. And until you realize the foundation of the Bible, that this, this is a significant book, it will help you deepen your faith even more. Okay? So, did you bring the Bible, your Bible? You brought a Bible? Okay, some of you have it on your phones. That's good. You can write on your phone if you're, that's okay for you. So, okay. Some of you might be wondering if this is your first time to read a Bible you know, how in the world am I going to read this? It's such a thick book. I mean, you know, the text is so small and the pages are so thin and so big. I mean, it looks like I can read this in like a thousand years. First of all, you will not live for a thousand years. Okay. And second of all, I've had friends who I know have read this entire book from front to cover, from cover to cover in just one year. You know, five times. They're even below 40. So it's possible that you can read it within a year or two, okay? Depending on how fast you read. But let me just say this. You can take a picture of this, memorize this line. This is a line that came from Tim, Tim Mackey of the Bible Project. And he says this, that the one way or the good way to read the Bible is that you have to read it as a unified story that leads to Jesus, Okay? It's a unified story that leads to Jesus. It might be long, it might be encompassing, it might be overwhelming, but it really is just a lot of stories that points to Jesus. Okay? Are you with me so far? Okay. Now, if you can turn your Bible, if you have your Bible, go to Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. This is the first book, first chapter, first verse. Whatever version of the Bible that you are using or holding, the Bible always begins with three words. And it says, in the beginning. Okay? And then fast forward, turn to the last page, the last book, which is Revelations. Chapter 25, verse, or rather chapter 22, verse 5. Is it 5? Yeah. And it says, it always ends, the Bible, whatever version, it always ends with, and they reigned forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so you see the chronicle. It starts with, in the beginning, and it ends with, they reigned forever and ever. This is not like your regular Disney movie book where it says at the end, once upon a time, that's how it begins. And then in the end, it says, and they lived happily ever after. This book is open-ended. You want to know why? Ask me why. Because it's, it continues. There's a continuation. And guess what? It continues even with your life today. That's why the Bible is so relevant because it continues even after it's finished here. The storyline still goes on and on and on. Alright? One way to read the Bible, by the way, 
is to actually, let me tell you the background of what the Bible, the word Bible means. The word Bible is Latin for the word Biblia. Everybody say Biblia. It, it literally means books, the books or library. That's why, little trivia, okay? The Catholic Bible is a collection of 73. How many? 73 books, all in one book. The Protestant Bible has a collection of 66, only 66 books. Why? Because the Protestant Bible, they, they cut out seven books in the Old Testament that they did not approve of, which we used here. And some of you, when you read the Bible, you would probably, you know, read one, one book. Like let's say you go to John, and then you read it as a whole, and it's good. You'll understand that. You'll get a message from the Lord. Or you can turn, for example, to the book of Luke, and read it as a whole, and you'll understand it. But see, until you read this from cover to cover, you will not really appreciate the full extent and the full measure of how grand and brilliant this long storyline is that God made. Let me give you an analogy. How many of you here are Marvel fans? Marvel fans, there you go. Correct me if I'm wrong with my timeline, okay? In 2008, the first movie to come out in the Marvel Cinematic Universe was... Iron Man, right? Iron Man 1. And then in 2010, two years later, the second sequel or the, the sequel to Iron Man came out. Iron Man 2, obviously. And then in 2011, earlier that year, they released a new movie, Thor. And all the women went crazy. With Chris Hemsworth and his muscles and his six-pack. And then later that year, and you know, when you know, when you watch Thor, you knew that it was connected to the first two Iron Man movies, right? And then you, they released Captain America, and then the girls really went crazy with Chris Evans and his tight Captain America suit, that helmet and that shield. And you know, when you watched it, you realized that it was still connected to Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, and Thor. Because at the end of that movie, what happened? Nick Fury came out and he started revealing that he was actually putting together this elite super group called the Avengers Initiative, which would be a movie that would come out in 2012. So in total, Marvel has come out with 23 movies in their cinematic universe. Question, if you watch, let's say for example, Black Panther alone, would you understand the movie? Yes, right? You would enjoy the action, the humor, the, 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 the banter, you would love that movie. If you watch, for example, Doctor Strange, just as a standalone movie, you would be able to appreciate it. That's how it's supposed to be. You don't need to watch Iron Man to appreciate Ant-Man. You don't need to watch Ant-Man to appreciate Avengers. But if you don't watch the entire saga, you know, you'll miss out in finding out that every scene, every story, every plot, every character is actually connected with each other. And it's telling this whole story that culminates at the very end in Avengers Endgame, where they defeat Thanos. In fact, as I speak right now, Marvel is planning to release nine more movies in the future that's still connected to the Marvel saga. It's amazing. The Bible is like that. Except that it's, of course, better. So when you read the Bible, I know I'm getting a little technical here, okay? But I, I, I promise you, the ending will be worth it. Can you touch your neighbor and say, the end will be worth it? So some of you read the Bible this way. Have you ever done what they call Bible cutting? 
you know, the Bible is closed and then you pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon you and then you open the page and then you ask God, okay, Lord, what do you want to speak to me today? Let's say you have a problem in mind and say, Lord, speak to my problem. And then you, you close your eyes and you point to a verse and then you allow that verse to speak to you. That's Bible cutting, right? Very old school. But it works. It works. If you read one verse, God can probably speak to you through that verse. God can probably show up in that verse. But see, did you know that there is not a single story or parable or statement that was said in the New Testament that is not connected to the Old Testament? A lot of people, they say, I don't want to read the Old Testament. You know, it's so old. It doesn't apply to my life anymore. It's just a waste of my time. So what they do is they just read the New Testament and they love the Gospels because this is where Jesus is. This is the New Gospel. And, but if you're not going to understand the Old Testament, here's the thing. You will not appreciate who this Jesus person is because Jesus was a Jew. Let me dive a little bit deeper. May I? Okay. Matthew, when he wrote the genealogy, genealogies are boring, right? When you, when you read genealogies, it's all about names and, and, and details. And when Matthew wrote this, you know, it was a big deal to them. Brother Bo said this earlier. And when he wrote the genealogy of Jesus, it was very accurate. But here's one thing you need to know. If you were a Jew reading the genealogy during that time, you would notice that something was wrong. Because you would notice that there were some names that were missing. Like Matthew skipped a couple of names. And if you were a Jew, remember that the target market of Matthew and his gospel were Jews. And you would notice, why is this family not here? Or why did he not include here? See, to Matthew, one thing you need to know, that one of the, one of the most basic principles when you read the Bible is you always have to respect the original principle or the original intention of the author. So ask yourself, what was Matthew thinking of when he wrote this? For example, we preached this a long time ago. We said, the, we asked the question, is the Adam and story, I'm sorry, the Adam and story, <laughs> is the Adam and Eve story a true story? I mean, were they real? Was the serpent real? Was the garden real? Did you ever ask that question? Right, and we talked about this. You have to ask that question, what was the author of Genesis thinking about when he wrote it? What was his intention? Was he speaking from a historical perspective or a scientific perspective? No. He was actually writing a theological book. He wanted to explain the relationship between God and man and how sin meddled in the middle and caused our downfall. That's why you got to ask, what was Matthew? What was his intention when he wrote this genealogy? Because why did he miss a couple of things? But to Matthew, it was a big and loud statement to the Jews. He was simply saying, this is not an accident. There's a reason why it's a set of a three, three sets of 14 generations. I'm going to try to dive into that a little bit later, but... He says, there's a reason why there are three sets of 14 generations. And that's probably something that you're asking. That's the first question. Why three sets of 14 generations? Okay. Brother Bo said that there's a list. The list is that there's the 14 generations between Abraham and David. 14 generations between David and the exile. 14 generations between the exile and Jesus. Mind you. One generation is equivalent to 40 years, okay? That's just one journey, one generation. So why do you need Matthew 
to make three sets of 14 generations. What's the significance? Would you like to know? Okay. In the Hebrew language, every word, every letter had a numerical value. Okay, they were very, very big on this. And the name of David actually, they did not use vowels in their language. So they only used consonants. So the name of David was actually written not as D-A-V-I-D, but it was written as D-W-D. That's how his name was spelled out. And would you like to know the numerical value of David's name? Ask me what? The number 14. So it's not an accident that Matthew was pointing out to something. Number 14 is a big number for them. It points out to David. So he was merely saying, look at this. The lineage of Jesus. Follow that line and you would see that it comes from a lineage of kings. It comes from David, the greatest king of Israel. So Jesus came in the form and in the blood of kings. And so he was simply saying to his leaders, this is the new David. This is our new king and he's going to be greater than David. And I know that it doesn't sound big to some of you here because you've heard some of this. We've talked about this, that Jesus is the king of kings. But when you were living at that time, if you were in ancient times, you know, this was a big deal for you. Because they were waiting for someone, a Messiah, a Mashiach, a chosen one, an anointed one, to come and rescue them. And finally, Matthew was announcing, here he is. He's here and he's come from the line of David, just as the prophecy foretold. Are you with me? It doesn't sound like you are. I know it's a hard talk. It's a hard talk that I have to deliver. But, but hear me out. Hear me out. Jesus was merely telling his readers when you read it. Make Jesus king of your life. Make him the king of your, your, your life. Make him the center of your life. That was the message. But here's another question. Why are there only five women mentioned in the genealogy? The only five women. There's... there's uh, uh, Bathsheba, Rahab, Ruth, Mary, and Tahar. Was it Tahar? Did I get that name right? Tamar. Tamar. Is it Tamar? Tahar. Ta Tamar. Okay. So five women. What do these five women have in common? Would you like to know what? Three of them had a very dirty past. When I say dirty, like filthy past. Rahab was a prostitute. Tamar or Tamar was, was she slept with her father-in-law. And then Bathsheba, she was an adulteress. So if you're reading this, this genealogy and you knew who they were, it doesn't take rocket science for you to say, why would you include those women? Women who, you know, were very questionable. Why would you include that in the lineage of Jesus who was a pure Jew? Who, who is the king? Let me give you this analogy, okay? I'll, I'll get practical. I have a friend who operates and owns a restaurant, like a pure Italian restaurant, like 100%. The cook, the chef is an Italian, she's half Italian, and so they, they opened this business. And then one time I was sitting with her in the, in the restaurant, and, and she said, she was telling a story how a day before, there was a customer who ate in that restaurant, and the chef got mad and just literally kicked out that, rest, that, that customer. And I asked, what did he do? You know, did he make a, a silly comment? Did he make a scandal in the restaurant? And she said, no, he just ordered pizza. And I'm like, uh -huh. you get, you got, he got thrown out because he ordered pizza? And she's like, no, it's because he didn't get thrown out because he ordered pizza. He got thrown out because he ordered pizza and then asked for ketchup. You see, 
real Italians, it's like a sin to them. You do not put ketchup on pizza. That's a big no-no for them. But here's the problem. Filipinos love to put ketchup on everything. Right? Ketchup on spaghetti. Ketchup on bananas. Ketchup on bread. Ketchup on rice. Ketchup on everything. I have a friend. He puts ketchup in sinigang. Nabangos. I'm not going to tell you his name or else you might judge him. Itago na lang natin siya sa pangalang na Mike Vinyas. I asked permission, don't worry. <laughs> One time we were in Densho's and we were eating and then Mike orders sinigang na bangos and then after a while he taps the, sh- the waiter by the shoulder and said, Kuya, can I order a bowl of ketchup? Can I have a bowl of ketchup? And we're like, bowl of ketchup? May baon ka ba sa bag mo na hindi mo ilalabas? Does not go together, right? And so he explained that when he was growing up, his dad loved to have their sinigang super sour. So the kids could not eat it. But the dad did not, didn't want to change the recipe. And so he says to the kids, Okay, instead of changing the recipe, you eat your sinigang nabangus with ketchup. And you know, they started doing that up until now. You, when you're with Mike, ask him to order sinigang nabangus. He'll have ketchup with that. And he'll enjoy it. It's just crazy because it doesn't mix well, right? It's just like pizza. It's like people who like their pizza with pineapple. You, you like that? Pineapple only goes well with pineapple. Why in the world would you like that? Okay, that's just my thing. Don't get me started on the pineapple. <laughs> but imagine this. The Mashiach, the, the chosen one, the anointed one, the king that would come to rescue everybody in his lineage. You see three questionable women. Why are there, they there in the first place? And it begs you to understand that Matthew was saying this is not an accident. It's not bad publicity. It's not a bad PR decision because I, I put them there on purpose. They're supposed to be there because it's a message to everybody that there is not a single person in this place who God doesn't love. Whether you have a dirty past, whether you have a messy life, Jesus saves all. Jesus is for everybody. Say that with me. Jesus is for everybody. It doesn't matter if you, if you had a messy life or a messy past. Jesus came for you. He wants you. No matter how sinful you are. No matter how dirty you are. He'll put you in his lineage. Because he's not afraid to be associated with you. Let's give God a big hand for that. Amen. Can I ask you to stand? I'm telling you, this is a hard message to preach. Thank you for being a good crowd, but let me close, okay? I'll be very honest with you. The last two weeks have been very, very tiring for me. I had to preach last week before before it was Kerygma Manila, Kerygma Conference Manila. And then I had to fly to Cebu on a Friday, preach on a Saturday, and then... come back home Saturday night and then preach on a Sunday and it was really tiring. I had to preach back to back to back. At one point, I was mixing up the messages in my head, giving them the wrong big message because there was so many. I was, I'm not used to this. And then last night, I came home. I was so tired. Let me just say this out loud, okay? I've witnessed this ever since I started ministry. I really believe this, that the greatest or the real superheroes of the feast or any community 
It's not the leader who stands in front of you every week. But the real superheroes of the feast are the servants. Come on, let's clap for them. It's the servants. I'm going to go back to this point in a minute, okay? But let me show you a big difference between the Bible and the Marvel Universe, okay? The Marvel Universe, the truth is, you can't be a part of it. You're not a part of the Marvel Universe. You, you can't possibly stand beside Thor and, and Iron Man and Captain America, although some women would wish they would stand beside these hunks. But it's just not possible because it's a made-up world. It's a fantasy. You don't get to be part of the Avengers. You're not a superhero. You're not a mutant. You don't have special skills. You can't shoot an arrow like, you know, what's his name? Uh, Hawkeye. I was going to say Arrow Man. <laughs> Hawkeye, I know, I know, I'm sorry Marvel fans. So, you don't get to be part of the Avengers. But in the Bible, the story that leads all the way to Jesus, guess what? You get to play a part. You get to play a part in being one of God's heroes. Because you get to build the kingdom that God is building in this world. That's the biggest difference. And you see, I flew to Cebu. Going back to my story, I flew to Cebu last week and they assigned to me a personal assistant, a PA in short. His name is Stephen Suiko. He was amazing at what he was doing. You know, he met me when I arrived until departure. He was with me every single time and he kept on asking me questions. Brother Audi, what do you need? You need juice, you need coke, you need soft drinks, you need food, you need rice, you need shopping money. What do you need? What do you need? Minus the shopping money. <laughs> but he was there. That's my, that's my point. He was just there asking me, Brother Audi, what do you need? I'm here for you. What do you need? At some point, I had to ask him, bro, have you eaten? Is there anything you want to do? Because I'm okay. I'm, I'm very low maintenance. You can leave me in one place and I'll be okay. I'm used to this. You, I don't need a PA. But he was so good at what he was doing. And then towards the end, when he took me to the airport, he just smiled at me and, and he said something that really ministered to me. He said, Brother Audie, I want to thank you. And I said, for what? I want to thank you for allowing me to serve God through you. I was like... What a blessing. What an inspiration. And so, Stephen, during that entire time, no comments, no complaints, no, no regrets. He just served like every single day. And I remember that during Kerygma Conference, I remembered all the servants. There were some servants who barely slept. Servants who, who barely ate. Servants who barely rested because they wanted to pour out their energy and time in serving the Lord. And I'm so proud of seeing people like that. And I saw that in every city. Manila, Visayas, Mindanao. People who serve tirelessly. And then last night, confession. Can I confess? Okay, last night was terrible for me. I was flying home. I got in Manila at 8.30 in the, in the evening. And I was dead tired, like bone tired. Just wanted to go home, see my family and sleep. And I was almost tempted to call one of the builders. Uh, Brother Alvin, you know, Didoy, John Ben, Adrian, whoever was available, call the Avengers for help. Because I wanted to, to get some rest and, and get somebody to sub for me. And I was sitting in the, in the plane, cramped between these two strangers in that seat. And I noticed this flight attendant, you know, how they would do, they would joyfully serve the, the, the passengers, I mean, that's their job. Yes, I get it. But they were so happy at it. 
And then all of a sudden, I remembered Stephen. Stephen who never complained a single time while he served me, while he was there for me, while he was feeding me and, and, and tending to my needs. And then I remembered every single servant here at our feast who wakes up some, as early as 4 o'clock to serve the Lord and who come here patiently every single Sunday who stand and usher you to your seat, who pray for you in the back, who stay outside in the sun all day long so that they can serve the Lord through you. And I said to myself, I don't have the right to complain. Because the truth is, it's a blessing that I get to do this. It's a blessing you get to do this. There are two characters in the Marvel Universe. There's the, there's the hero and then there's the villain. In the story that God wants you to play, here's my question. Who are you? Are you the hero or are you the villain? Are you Thor or are you Loki? I mean, they're both good looking, but one is a villain. Are you Iron Man or are you Thanos? Are you Captain America or are you the Red Skull? In other words, are you the hero or are you the villain? Let me tell you, last night, I was the villain. I was the one who was complaining and complaining. I'm so tired. I don't want to serve. But here's the good news. Because the Bible says that God's steadfast love never ceases and His mercies are new every morning. And so, if you are the villain today, guess what? You can have the choice to be the hero tomorrow. You get to play this role if you choose to play your part well do your part well don't be the villain but be the one who is here to be the hero for Jesus be a hero for God choose to be the hero how many heroes are in this place today raise your hand can you touch your neighbor and say be the hero you're part of God's story but as long as you're playing that part please play that part well be the hero that this world needs. Amen. Can I ask you to bow down your heads and let's pray. Put your, head, put your hand over your shoulders and let's, let's just pray. Everybody say, Dear Jesus, thank you for giving me this part. I admit I haven't played this part the way you want me to play it. But here I am with an open heart, with an open mind, asking you one more time to give me a chance to be your hero. I want to be a hero. Thank you for the life you've given me. Use my story to give you glory. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. listening to this podcast from the Light of Jesus family. For more messages like these, visit lightfam.com and click on Feast Teachings.